Some of you have had encounters uh, in the U.S. court system. And uh, some of you have probably been unjustly accused. And the court system was used to stigmatize your reputation, to put a stain on your identity. And some of you were involved in sin and darkness in your past life. How many ex-sinners do we have here? Notice my hands up. I'm chiefest of sinners. That was my former identity. And the memories of some of those things still guilts you. There are people who don't want you to be able to get past the stuff in your past. The devil doesn't want you to get past the th- those things either. One of his titles is he's the accuser of the brethren. The one who accuses and condemns God's sons and daughters. How does he get access to the throne of God to accuse you? Well, primarily through other believers who don't realize who they're yielded to when they bring accusations. I hope none of you ever partners with the accuser. I've broken fellowship with people who would not break fellowship with the accuser. I refuse to partner with his dirty work. When the best you can do is figure out... Listen, when you meet somebody... I'm just going to go down a very short bunny trail here, I think. When you meet somebody, if your go-to is to do research on their past so that you won't get contaminated by something, you're partnered with the accuser. You're being driven by fear. That's what the enemy does. I refuse to partner with that. The internet has given everyone a cesspool to fish in. And anyone who's a threat to the kingdom probably has got some ungodly accusations out there. In fact, Scripture says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Because you're obviously not a threat if the enemy is not bringing accusations against you. Scripture says, The anointing that you've received teaches you all things. And that's spoken in the context of teaching you what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. And so if the Lord connects you with somebody and the spirit that's in you witnesses with the spirit that's in them, you don't need to go do a bunch of research to find out if they're safe or not. That's being driven by fear. Okay, that's bring, that brings division to the body of Christ. You need to trust that the Holy Spirit in you will give you wisdom that fear will not give you. Fear is not discernment. The anointing is. Did you hear me? Fear is not discernment. Fear will not keep you safe. It will keep you isolated from kingdom partners that God wants to partner you with. 
when I went to this conference, this prayer conference this week, the brother who invited me, he and I have been building a relationship for the last couple of years. Uh, he said, you know, I've never heard you speak. But the Lord told me I'm to have you come and speak to the, these intercessors. That tells me something about him. Never heard me speak. But boy, did God move in that conference. Because he trusted the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you, the voice of the Lord will keep you safer than fear will ever keep you. Fear will keep you isolated. Fear will have you partnering with things that are not of God. I refuse to partner with people that are driven by fear. I'm not going to reject them, but I'm not going to partner with them. Because fear is not a kingdom value. Safety is not a kingdom value. If your goal is to be safe, you're going to live in a very small, tight space. And you won't be safe there either. Real warriors are willing to lay down their life and not hold it dear unto themselves. Amen? I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm speaking to somebody. Fear will not keep you safe. He's called the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses and condemns God's sons and daughters. Religious people are his favorite weapon. They'll condemn you for your past and not let you forget who you were and what you were accused of doing. Or there are people who were a part of your former life who don't believe and can't accept that you're not who you used to be. You know, and I get around people who knew me in my childhood growing up, and they're like, do you remember this and so? And I'm like, no, not really. Really? You don't remember? No, not really. I mean, I could probably go, go fishing and pull up a memory here and there, but it was so real to me that that was an evil twin that used to live in my body. That's not who I am. That guy marched to a different beat. He was driven by stuff that has no appeal to me. He's dead. He's part of another life. Another world. In the United States, when you've been convicted of a felony, you lose your rights and privileges some of your rights and privileges that you are entitled to as a citizen. You're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to sit on a jury. You're not allowed to own a firearm. It's a picture of the stigma that follows you when you've been on the wrong side of the law. And it can be very debilitating. So people tend to fall right back into the same cycle as before. Or live the rest of their life battling guilt or shame. Feeling like people are pointing their fingers at them because of their past. But there's a court process that you can go through with a lawyer. Where you demonstrate a history of being a good law-abiding citizen. And a judge can expunge your record. Expunge is used as a legal term in this case. And it means to wipe out, to erase, or to destroy. Like it never happened. 
In other words, when someone looks at your record, it's as clean as if you were never convicted of anything. The same thing can happen to people spiritually. When people ask God to forgive them, surrender their life to Jesus, your sins are wiped away. They're erased. Your record is expunged. Your past is removed from you, and you get to live your life as a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the best news that you could ever hear. The sins of your past don't stand against you anymore. Anymore. In Jesus' name. The wounds of your past are washed away. The things that have filled you with guilt and shame are gone. Forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? A lot of Christians still think that their job is to learn everything they can learn so that they can reform their behavior to act like good Christians. And if that's what you're doing, all you're doing is putting sheep's clothing on a wolf. That's not what Jesus died to give you. Jesus died to create a new creature in you with a new DNA, with your past wiped away, and with a brand new future. The things that have filled you with guilt and shame are gone forever, forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 says, He himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He's talking here about Jews and Gentiles who were separated through the law. He's made both of them one. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. He's abolished in his flesh the enmity. He's, he's wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you. There's a, there's a law that God issued that we knew we were guilty of breaking whenever we violated it. There was something in our conscience that bothered us, filled us with guilt and, and judgment and shame. And we knew that we knew that we knew that we weren't okay. And there's, some, there's a need inside of every person to be righteous. But I'm here to tell you that everything that you can ever do through human effort will never make you righteous. It's impossible. I, used to, I, I came that close a couple times. And I couldn't do it. I was like a dog chasing his tail. As soon as I thought I had it, it was out of my grasp again. You can't do it. There's no amount of human effort, there's no amount of good deeds that you can do to make you righteous. Jesus died on the cross to wipe out the law that stood against you by bringing you under a new law. By bringing you into a new life. 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. He paid the price for every law that you ever broke, for every sin that you ever committed, for everything that you ever did that brought guilt and shame and judgment on He paid the price for all of it on the cross. That's why he had to suffer so horribly, because he paid your, he stepped up and willingly paid the price just for you. To release you of all guilt and shame and judgment and to give you a brand new future. Thank you, Jesus. I could get happy just talking about it. So when you're in Christ, the law that judged you is gone. And all your violation of it is cleansed from your record. It's washed away through entering into his death and burial and the resurrection of Christ. Your record is cleansed. Your history is expunged, erased from your record. It can never be brought against you again. It's gone. Acts 3.19 says this, Repent, therefore, that means turn around, Stop going the way you've been going. Change your mind. Stop running from the one who died to set you free. Stop running from your past. Stop doing all of that. Turn around. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Do you ever look at a conversion table? This is all... Uh, standard measurements, and over here it's all metric. So there's a conversion table that converts everything from this standard to this standard. Well, when you, when you receive Christ, you've got to go through a conversion process. So that everything you used to think you knew has to be now converted to a brand new table. Everything that you thought you had to pay for now has already been paid. It's a free gift. You just have to receive it. Paid in full. And the one who paid it is insulted if you try to pay it. That means you're not honoring the price that he paid. Well, I can't accept a free gift. Come on, let me, let me pay for it. Let me help you out. No. No, you're trying to rob me of the joy that I had of laying down my life and dying for you and offering you all of that as a free gift. I, try, I know, I tried to do it. You know, when I came to Jesus, I was a drug addict, nine-year drug addict. My past was a mess. My life was a mess. And I knew it. And everyone that knew me knew it. And when I surrendered my life to Jesus, it all turned around overnight. My drug addiction was gone. My addiction to cigarettes was gone. My addiction, my addiction to the dark music that I listened to was gone. It, was, it all left. For, for almost a year, I would, my stomach would churn when I came around the music I used to listen to. Because it was what drove me. It was what fed me. You know, I hung out with some of the artists. I went to their concerts. It was gone. For almost a month, I would get sick if I got around any amount smoked. And I've never had a desire to, truck, to touch drugs again. Never. 
It's gone. Set free. It's what Jesus paid for. Repent, therefore, and be converted so that your sins may be blotted out. You know, it was, I was so free. It was so amazing. I was so transformed in an instant that after a while I'm like, you know, if it's this good now, I think I could make it even better if I really got religious about some things and laid down some rules and made my wife dress more conservatively. And, I, you know, and so I did that. God help me. And I found myself being sucked right back into the same dark place of condemnation and judgment and shame that I was in before. I went through a Romans 7 process. I understand that process. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment returned, sin revived and I died. And I had to come to a place where I was found, you know what? Everything that I tried to add to what Jesus did doesn't, doesn't work. I'm done. And freedom came back. What he did was enough. You can't add to it. All of your human efforts can't add to what Jesus did. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The life that I now live... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <sighs> Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so your sins may be expunged so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. In other words, God won't remember it. The courts of heaven won't allow it to be brought up against you. The accuser is in legal violation if he tries to use it against you. And in the court of heaven, Satan is the accuser or the prosecuting attorney. He's the one who researches your past to find out if you're okay or not. That's why Jesus said in Luke 11:52, "Woe to you lawyers." And in that generation, in that culture, the lawyers were the the ones who studied the law of Moses to define it and find out who's in violation. That's what, that's what you're doing when you partner with the accused. You say, oh, I need to research this person's past, see if they're okay. For you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself, and those who were entering in you hindered. Jesus knew how the lawyers used the law to judge people, to condemn them, and to keep them away from God. But Jesus is your defense attorney. And when your sins have been forgiven, he rises to your defense. Thank you, Jesus. In Acts 22, Paul is sharing his testimony of how he was sent to a man named Ananias to receive his sight and to receive the Holy Spirit after the Lord knocked him off his high horse. And he said in verse 16, and now why, Ananias told him in, in verse 16, now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Your sins have been forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Let's wash away the remembrance of them from your conscience, from the place of pain in your memories, and from the records of heaven. Let's wash them away. 
In Acts 2.36, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, turn around, change your mind, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, so that your sins can be put away from you. The remembrance of them can be put away from you. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Today, we're going to raise a new creation out of the waters of baptism. It's not about fulfilling an ideal in your mind about where you wanted to be baptized. Well, I wanted to be baptized in the ocean. I wanted to be baptized in the Jordan River. I wanted to be... Okay, that's, that's your human mind thinking. It doesn't matter what the location is. What matters is that you say goodbye to your old life and you allow a new creation to rise up out of that water. It's about a burial of your old self, all your past, and the raising of a brand new person in the image of the Son of God. I was, I was uh, talking to Krista, and she, she, was, uh, she connected with a person who was connected with uh, Lonnie Frisbee from the Jesus movement of the 70s. And, and he told her, when they baptized people during the Jesus movement, every person they baptized, it was an act of war. It was a declaration of war. Every person that they baptized was a conquest of enemy territory. Listen, you're no longer the devil's territory. You belong to Jesus. Amen? So we're renouncing the devil. We're renouncing his influence. We're renouncing his dominion. And we're giving ourselves completely to Jesus and rising up as a new creation. Okay? Well, what if it doesn't happen? Let's put that away too, that doubt, that fear, and that unbelief. And let's move forward in faith saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to obey the gospel that says, if I am buried with him, I'll be raised into a new life. Today, let's have a mass burial ceremony. Let's do a mass burial ceremony. Every one of you that still battles with guilt and shame and judgment and, and remembrance and pain from your past life, I'm going to challenge you. Let's get in the waters of baptism. And let's say goodbye to it all. Amen? Amen. Now, back here at the table, we've got a stack of medium-sized T-shirts, black ones, and a stack of XX larges. And I think that should uh, suffice for most of you that don't have something adequate to get it baptized. And we've got a bunch of towels, so let's get busy. Amen? If you want to get baptized today, come on in. The water's fine. The angel of the Lord here is stirring the waters, and I believe this is your day. Amen?